Welcome back. Um, I am Erica Bossy, and uh, this is STRU Podcast, and uh, the very handsome Richard Furtick is joining me. Wow. Hi, well, honey. Thank you. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for introducing the second podcast. This is uh, the start of a very new and exciting chapter for STRU Podcast, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Well, so do you want to define our roles? Um, I think you should do that. Really? Yes. Okay. So uh, it's meant to be very interactive, mm-hmm. and um, both of us to both of us to participate to our strengths and our abilities. But I just heard Charles give you very specific orders. <laughs> yes. You're supposed to keep me on the tracks. Keep yes. me on the tracks and the rails and we're going forward so rope me in as need be yes good luck (laughs) thank you i will need it (laughs) all right so since you're you're going to be guiding us all where do we begin what's going on tonight well um airbnb news what's what's up what's going on um anything new and exciting that you want to talk about Well, the most pressing thing that I just noticed here was that uh, Airbnb, which is a private company and will likely be going public later this year, is starting Mm -hmm. to share um, earnings results, right? So it's voluntary. They don't need to do this. Once they are a public company, Mm -hmm. then they will have to have quarterly announcements like every other public company that meets certain reporting guidelines. But um, right now they're doing it as a voluntary basis. And interestingly enough, consistent with everything that we all believe as hosts, They're growing, and they're growing quickly. Uh, So the news that I'm reading right here says that Airbnb's second quarter revenue topped U.S. $1 billion in the quarter. That's a billion dollars of revenue in one quarter. Uh, It's only the second time that it's exceeded that level in its decade-plus history. Uh, The company also said it will be launching a multi-million dollar marketing campaign with ads running on TV and digital platforms, highlighting its hosts, and promoting the benefits of hosting. Wow. So what this means is we are onto something. We are earlier. Airbnb is just launching um, a marketing and advertising campaign. Mm-hmm. But the good news is they're now spending money to get behind us. The bad news is they're encouraging more hosts to come online onto the platform, which means more competition. Right. What I really wish that they were promoting in their marketing and advertising campaign was mm-hmm. geared towards tourists and travelers and encouraging more guests to come stay at our existing hosting platform. But who knows? This is just a news article, and so maybe they have the, the crux of the uh, advertising and marketing campaign wrong. But let's get back to the earnings. Um, Reuters previously reported that Airbnb's revenue for all of 2017 topped $2.5 billion, a more than 50% increase over 2016, and the company has previously stated that its earnings before interest tax, depreciation, and amortization was positive for both 2017 and 2018, so they were profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's a really interesting and compelling fact. Airbnb said that as of September 15th, 2019, mm-hmm. its hosts have earned more than $80 billion 
by sharing their homes and spaces on the app. And that as of June 1st, 2019, it's collected over $1.6 billion in transient occupancy taxes for all the different communities and so on. So these are really big, impressive numbers. This is a really huge, sustainable business model. Um, The disruption and the amount of lives that have been changed, both from hosts and travelers and communities and regulators and so on, Mm -hmm. it's just massive Mm -hmm. and more and growing and larger and when i've been saying for the longest time that they were in the early stages of a multi-decade generational shift Mm -hmm. the growth that we're seeing and the revenues and the taxes that are being paid are supporting all of that right so Mm -hmm. um my my take on it all is that this is really positive but Mm -hmm. we as hosts especially successful hosts must recognize that what has been working in the past won't continue to work as this advertising campaign comes in and says, hey, you guys should be hosting and look how much money you can make and so on. And all the homes in and around people's communities and neighborhoods go from dark to on. So we have to stand out even more and we have to be better hosts with more hospitality and um, a better strategy than just replicating what's occurred in the past. So. That's what's going on in the world of Airbnb. It's generally a fantastic feel-good story that there's a lot of opportunity. But as I've also been saying, there's a lot of competition. Does um, Airbnb going public, does that, how does that influence change um, affect the other kind of short-term rental platforms? And are they public? And so the other major Booking platforms are in fact public. Mm-hmm. Um, VRBO and HomeAway, or the, now they've rebranded. I think this is kind of ridiculous, but it's not VRBO. It's Verbo, Verbo, <laughs> Verbo, like literally for real, Verbo. So whoever's doing their branding and marketing and all that, I think they should really revisit that because it's kind of <laughs> silly. Um, but they are a public company owned by Expedia, um, and they were purchased a few years ago for. I don't know, about three or four billion dollars. And just to put that in perspective, Airbnb's current valuation is closer to 45 billion, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But, you know, like 10x what Expedia bought uh, Verbo for just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't believe that the Airbnb IPO will have much of an effect on the competitors, Mm -hmm. which was, I believe, your first question. Mm -hmm. But I do believe it will have an impact on Airbnb itself. Uh, Going public is a really important milestone in a a company's history. In In many cases, it's considered to be the ultimate, like, exit. So all the people who've invested in Airbnb privately, they can sell their shares on exit. Usually there's a little bit of... um, a lockup so that not all the private equity money and the venture capitalists go running out the door at the same time because there wouldn't be enough buyers to support that flood of selling. And so that would drive the share price down. So what they do is they handcuff them and say, you're locked up for say six months after the initial public offering, and then you can go ahead and sell. But what ends up happening in all of that is that there's a turnover in the underlying owners of the, of the company. Right, so like the people that brought the company from nothing all the way through to this massive public entity, in many cases, not always, but in many cases, they take this liquidity opportunity to cash out, diversify their 
earnings and their interests, right? They have a huge position. They may have invested $10 million in Airbnb that's now worth a billion, for example. And so these are smart institutional investors and they do exactly what I teach everyone should do. When they have the opportunity to diversify, that's the first thing that they do. And they would do it in such like progression and everybody doing it at the same time that in order to prevent that need for diversification, taking profits, getting out, they have to actually lock people up. But when you have a massive unicorn, a huge home run of a success like Airbnb, where, you know, probably the first few rounds of uh, equity were invested in the million dollar range or $10 million range. Mm -hmm. It's now worth 45 billion. Everybody would be running for the exits immediately, right? Like on the day of the IPO. Sure. And there's so much inventory flooding the market that people would literally want to like exit. And so in order to prevent that, the SEC or the people that are underwriting the, um, the IPO restrict them. They say you can't exit on the first day. You have to hold for 180 days. Got it. And the reason I'm mentioning all of that is that that just supports how institutional money thinks about diversification. The minute that they can diversify, they would. Right. So in order to prevent like panic and everybody selling at once, right. they restrict it. Got it. So we as entrepreneurs and as hosts should right. really be thinking about diversification and the importance of diversification with just as much urgency, right? right. Not like complacency, not like, oh, well, I'm going to continue to just expand in my local area and it's fine. Mm -hmm. If the smart money's running for the exit at the exact same time, so much so that we have to restrict them, mm -hmm. then start to run for the exit yourself after you have one, two, three, or whatever the number of properties that um, is a good representation in your portfolio, but start to think about diversification too. Sure. So the final thought on yes. the Airbnb going public is not only does the ownership mix change, mm -hmm. um, I think the culture of Airbnb itself may change insofar as they now have these quarterly earnings reporting deadlines. Mm -hmm. And what's very common in public companies is to do what's called like quarter stuffing. So they're so desperate to meet their earnings uh, forecast that they'll give incentives to the salespeople and whatever. I'm just making this up. I don't know the Airbnb inner workings at all, but they want to meet that earnings forecast no matter what. And so they'll give away software, inventory, whatever, just book the sale in this quarter. We have to meet the number. And I'm not suggesting uh, that they're going to be desperate necessarily, but they're going to start to have to manage their quarterly earnings, just like every other public company, which when you're a private company, you have the benefit of saying, we had a terrible quarter, doesn't matter, we don't have to report it. Now the world is watching, you're on stage, you have to report it, the pressure's on, and you have to meet or beat that earnings, um, or you're in trouble, your stock sells off. Right, interesting. So that's the difference between a private and a public company, and I don't know that it affects us hosts particularly, uh, other than if the culture at Airbnb does in fact change and they start to do things to bring more hosts on, to make more revenue and so on. But right now I'm operating from a position of abundance and positivity and optimism sure. and just believe that the permanent capital that they receive mm -hmm. when they do in fact go public um, allows them to invest longer. And it's basically infinite capital. So they don't have any worry about giving money back to the investors because the investors have already exited. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, it's a really good thing. And if they are intelligent, and I'm sure that they are, they'll make it so that it actually benefits the, not only the host, but also the guests. And it's a net, net positive. Right. How's that for an answer? 
Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and Thank this you. is where you probably have to keep me on the rails because I could just keep going. I'm sure. I'm sure. So uh, <laughs> what's the latest on us? Wow. No. Now I'm at a loss for words. Now you're at a loss for <laughs> Why words. Why don't you catch us up? <laughs> Let's see. So uh, we've got, well, currently we are in... Um, Nosara, Costa Rica, and loving every moment. And we're here for, what, about another week, week and a half? Uh, eight days. Oh, wah, wah. I know. Can you imagine? Time flies. I know. I'm sorry I asked. When we came here, it seemed like this was the longest we've been in any location for months. Mm -hmm. We were here for a little over three weeks. Mm -hmm. And I guess it was the month of July. We were month in Jackson. We were there for four weeks. Because we went to Dallas for Unleash the Power oh, Within. Oh, there you go. Okay. So um, this is the longest stretch in maybe mm -hmm. our history together. Maybe. It was a good one. So far, so good. I mean, how insane is that? Right. Three weeks in Costa Rica is the longest stretch that we've been in the same location in the last six plus months. Yeah. Amazing. And yet now we only have eight more days. Time flies. and Right. Right. And so uh, where do we go from here? We go to San Diego. We go to San Diego for mm -hmm. the Tony Robbins uh, Leadership mm -hmm. Conference. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard that the people that teach that are really, really amazing and um, help us become leaders, educators, mentors, uh, grow ourselves, and really learn how to lead and contribute to uh, the community and to others. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm really excited awesome. for you to attend. I am really excited to. I mean, I can't think of a Tony Robbins event that I haven't enjoyed and grown from and stretched and been surrounded by phenomenal people. So um, yeah, I have no doubt it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I think it'll be very different than the other events because again, Tony's not I believe so. participating, but mm -hmm. um, the next Tony event. Oh my goodness. Really looking, well, we've been looking forward to that since just about day one. Do you want to yeah. reveal a little more? <laughs> what is it? Where is it? What's going so on? So that's going to be in Hawaii. That'll Maui. Be, Maui. That'll be in Maui and that'll be in October. And, um, well, actually, so we go. Does it have, what, what is the subject or the title or the headline? Why, why um, are we going to Tony Robbins in Maui? Um, we're focusing on, it's a focus on relationship. It's the relationship course. Right. It's six or seven days of mm -hmm. intensive work just on relationships, yes. primarily focused, I believe, although I, I don't know, I'll know more after the event, mm -hmm. but I think specifically focused on, um, relationships like you and I have, I'm not mm -hmm. sure it's like business relationships. It's Agreed. romantic relationships, right. uh, significant other relationships, partner relationships, whatever mm -hmm. you want to designate it, but how to, trust and love and open up and grow and support and all of these wonderful things mm -hmm. um the significant other in your life yes and how to show up for them and how to encourage them to show up for you and how to take the relationship to a much deeper level and mm -hmm. uh, when we attended date with destiny in australia in mm -hmm. may mm -hmm. tony did a one day relationship actually not just tony tony and sage his wife sage mm -hmm. uh did a one day relationship and um, 
it was mind-blowing. So I can't even imagine how amazing right. six days will be. And why was that? Why was what? Why was that day mind-blowing? Well, I think it was um, some of the best work that he does. It was really awesome to see uh, he and Sage interact and the relationship that they have together. Um, and then I would also say that it's an area for personal growth and development for me. It's a, a challenge for me to uh, fully be present and understand what's going on. I've been through an awful lot of change in the last few years. Uh, big surprises, big disappointments, big emotions all over the place. And I would say it was particularly uh, important for me to get my children through the the changes and so I was really focused on them and I found myself um, really focused on travel and adventure and trying to find myself and figure out what was going on and so in the in the Tony Robbins one day relationship I, I realized and it was embarrassing scary frightening I don't know what the right words were but he would ask very specific questions about what is it that you seek in a relationship mm -hmm. and it was very frightening for me because generally speaking I'm in very much control in my of my life and I, I see the future and I know what I'm doing and I'm growth oriented and I just realized how little time I'd spent on what a relationship meant to me and I'd been in a very long relationship that uh lasted almost 25 years and so that's sort of what I knew and I hadn't really thought or planned what a relationship should look like or could look like or would look like and um, I, I had difficulty answering a lot of the questions not because I wasn't participating but because I just realized how little time you know like so by way of example and it's ridiculous but if somebody said to you where would you like to go travel to next and you had never thought about it you'd be like gee, I don't know. But when you think about the importance of a relationship and how um, gratifying it can be and how much it can grow you and expand you and so on, and then to be dumbfounded by a straightforward question, I just found myself at a loss and it helped open my eyes as to I was playing small in that area. You know, I was hurt and so I was closed off and I was finding a lot of joy and satisfaction and things in being alone and in traveling and in adventure and extreme sports and all these other things which have deep meaning to me, right? It wasn't mm -hmm. a, a distraction, but I just realized that while I was doing all of that, mm -hmm. I wasn't dreaming about what a relationship could be or should be or how to grow the relationship, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so I just found myself you know, dumbfounded, flustered, confused, embarrassed, uh, felt immature. You know, I've got every other portion of my life completely dialed in and I have vision and dream and I know where I'm going. And then you ask me about what does a relationship look like and what should it be and how important is it and standard questions. And everyone else is writing away and dancing and feeling great and they know what they're looking for and they're excited and so on. And I'm just like flat-footed staring at the wall and like crying. I was like, I can't believe I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that was uh, a breakthrough moment when I realized that I just somehow blocked that out. It just mm -hmm. wasn't something that I had spent nearly enough time on. Well, 
You were there. What was it like? Thank you for sharing that and for being so honest and transparent. Um, You know, I really want to commend you for for doing that. Thank you. Well, this was easy relative to the work I did in Australia on it. But I guess what I'm now, you know, you know, (laughs) prompted to ask is, I mean, since then, there's kind of two different things you could have done. Um, you could have walked away that day and thought, well, you know, I don't know the answers to those questions and, you know, I couldn't have gone, you know, through those exercises because that's not anything I've ever experienced or asked myself or I don't really, you know, know. And so, you know, I survived the day and I'm moving on. What I'm curious about is, have you explored that? Do you now know the answers to those questions? Have you dove any deeper? Have you given thought to that? Or have you just kind of survived the day and <laughs> kept on going? <laughs> yeah, you know, I just kept on trucking. No, <laughs> no I mean, uh, I think that... You certainly spent, could. <laughs> yeah, no, we spent a fair amount of time debriefing. I recall that night being particularly mm-hmm. emotional and challenging. And, you know, I felt... Um, I felt broken to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that I have a lot more work to do. I think those six days in Hawaii next month will be super beneficial for me, for you, and hundreds of other attendees. And there's people who've gone back, you know, multiple times. And you you can never stop learning, and you can never stop valuing. You can never over prioritize love. Um, so like it's a perpetual thing. It's not like I just did it that one day and I'm excited to go deeper. Um, but what I realized was, and, and I teach this all the time too, which is just about your, your story that you tell yourself, the old story versus the new story and how you can rewrite uh, the rules. And so the breakthrough for me at Date With Destiny, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be breakthrough driven, um, was just how much I do value a relationship and what a relationship should look like. And so recognizing the self-limiting beliefs that I shouldn't be in another relationship. For me, uh, a lot of the limitations that I've had uh, in my life tend to be around relationships. And I think um, even healthy relationships can have certain unhealthy characteristics or can be healthier, right? It's a little bit like fitness. You can always get stronger or faster or... um, work on your core and work on your balance and work on, you know, your speed and your agility. And there's just Absolutely. an infinite number of things that you can do. And so, uh, for me, this was an area where I needed to spend a lot of time and, and, you know, to be perfectly honest, the, the rewards, the self development, the self love, uh, the love that I have and share with you, these are things that really move the needle, you know, really are game changers, really change life. And so, when uh, when we talk about being open to new possibilities and trying new things and getting out of your comfort zone, uh, it's a really silly thing to say, oh, I'm getting out of my comfort zone and falling in love with a, in a relationship. But, you know, we all have different limitations. You may not comprehend or, or understand the private markets to public like I do, but maybe you're much better at understanding love than I am, for, for example. Um, but it's really important to figure out what you want to 
manifest and what you want your life to look like. And I teach about designing your life. And yet I had this self-limiting belief that I was even unaware mm -hmm. how little work I'd done in my life mm -hmm. over relationships, right? So 25 years was the, the length of time that's measured that I was in the first relationship. But that doesn't mean that for those 25 years, I've, I was doing the kind of work that I've been doing subsequent to that. Right. Right. And so right. interestingly, uh, you and I shared this conversation earlier. Um, I've in doing the work now, we're seeing relationships, we're modeling the masters, whether it's Tony and Sage or other mm -hmm. relationships that are really strong. Mm -hmm. And what one common theme is that they invest in that relationship and they work on that relationship, even when it's going at a 10 or an 11, right? There's always room for improvement. There's always time. There's always dedication. It's really important. And so often what I found, at least in relationships, relationships are kind of like money. People don't generally like to speak about it. And so even though what seemed like I had an absolutely perfect relationship with the three daughters and the X number of houses and X cars and dogs and like all the things that seem picture perfect, now look, reflecting back on it, I see some of the things that really weren't mutually healthy and mm -hmm. so while I think there's a lot of mutual respect and love that had navigated over time um, on a go forward basis you and I are prioritizing and that's why we're going to Tony Robbins and we're spending six or seven days together in Maui and you know to just put this in perspective it's not inexpensive I think we're going to end up spending right. 25 or 30 thousand dollars to right. go spend six or seven days but to invest in ourselves and each other and our relationship together mm -hmm. and that's a small price to pay I mean love and relationship can be the most joyous things in life right and if you're not investing in it in real time before you know I, I was just saying this on a YouTube video once something happens it's too late right, right. like I don't want to be in relationship repair mode right right? I want to be in like relationship thriving, <laughs> knock my socks off. I'm like a kid. I'm jumping up and down on the trampoline. There's fireworks going, right? Like that's what I want the relationship right. to look like. And so we're there mm -hmm. and let's just sustain it. Right. And let's not go seek therapy or support once we're like, yeah, we're having problems. Right. So. Right. Being proactive versus reactive. Well, priorities speak actions. Actions speak louder than words mm -hmm. and your priorities dictate your actions. So if my right. priorities are a really loving, wonderful relationship, I'm going to take action. What does that action look like? We're going to buy plane tickets and we're going to go to Maui and we're going to spend time with Tony and Sage and hundreds of other like-minded people. And we're not just going to say, right. oh, I really value relationships. Right. Oh, I really want to be in a relationship. No, we're going to take action and we're going to show up and we're going to be there and we're going to go deep and I'm going to cry and you are going to cry and we're going to hug and we're going to cry together and we're going to hug more. And I think we will emerge from that week together at Tony Robbins um, relationship stronger and, and deeper and more loving and more connected. I mean, I think that's the goal, right? 100%. So I think that that's pretty much what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, more travel after Hawaii. We go to Miami. Woo. And what happens in Miami again? Remind me. 
STRU Live. Holla! Exactly. Change lives, inspire people, help people overcome their own self-limiting beliefs as it relates in particular to finance and wealth and short-term rentals and Airbnb and deliver the future-proof formula so people really understand what the opportunity set looks like and how to be ahead of the curve and you know when Airbnb is doing all their advertising and promoting more people to come onto the hosting platform they will not be thinking like this right I guarantee it there's no way these new hosts that get caught up on the Airbnb opportunity because they saw an ad will not be doing this but what they will be doing is turning on their home or their apartment or their condo in the one that they live in and the one across the street and that's where the competition is so we're just going to teach people to skate to where the puck is going in the in the famous words of Wayne Gretzky skate to where the puck is going there you go awesome so rad I can't wait and I do have to say I really really believe the venue is super super cool well the surf comer it should be because you picked it. So, I did. You know, if I did. If you pick something that you weren't happy about, <laughs> that, that would be a real problem. Right. That's on me. But yeah. No, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, South Beach is a lot of fun. Uh, the crowd that's coming is a lot of fun. We have a lot of repeat attendees from Nashville. Mm-hmm. And what's super cool, we're speaking about a lot on relationships uh, on this podcast, is I think there's four attendees as of right now that as of were right in now. Nashville that are coming back mm-hmm. and all four of them are bringing their spouse or significant other yes. because they want to share this experience and then grow their short-term rental business together, yes. uh, which is amazing. And that's an area where uh, short-term rentals can just be such a family affair right? and you can teach your kids and you can do it with your significant other, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. And you know, when times are good, you're there celebrating it and making money together and dreaming about your future and reinvesting. And that's when times are great. And so it's super helpful. And then when it's really critical is when times aren't so great, when, when you're having difficulty, either making uh, a mortgage payment or it's low occupancy or the roof caves in, or there's some issue that you're right. just not expecting to just to go at it alone is lonely and scary and, and can be, you know, put the brakes on your growth and your ambition and your drive and you lose focus. That little voice, that story that you tell yourself um, might tell you to exit, might tell you to slow it down, might say, I knew you couldn't do it, whatever it tells you. But when you have somebody else who's there with you, pulling you and says, no, let's overcome this. We'll rebuild the roof or we'll file the insurance claim and let's get back on our feet. Let's not lose track of the, the dream and the goal. Let's persevere. That's when it's life-changing and that's why a relationship is just so incredibly important somebody to absolutely. share not only the highs but the lows absolutely um, and a lot of the growth and development comes from the lows mm-hmm. right we we just spoke about my experience at the relationship day in australia and that was a low mm-hmm. right like going through that that was a low for me mm-hmm. but then it also opens the door for the biggest greatest high right and so it's right. in those lows where you find you do the work and you find opportunity. Well, it's really interesting. I mean, the weather here in Nosara, or at least certainly this week, has been a total and complete reflection of just that. Yesterday, it rained almost all day long. I mean, almost all day long. And it was pouring. Today was one of the most beautiful days we've seen in, you know, no, sorry, the sun was out. It was warm. Um, I mean, 
birds were chirping, monkeys were howling, doggies were out running around in the streets. I mean, and it just felt happy and right. beautiful and alive and thriving. And not that, you know, not that the rain isn't all of that, but I mean, it, it's definitely, um, it contributes. You can't, right. you can't have one without the other, right? Exactly. That's what so. makes life interesting and the world go around and so on, right? So mm -hmm. when there's uh, challenges or difficulties, it's the time to test yourself and see what's really important and what you right. want to do. And unfortunately, I think in those periods of difficulty, so many people retreat and start to think smaller and hunker down and just or stay and, there. Yeah, right. Right. And then try and like weather the storm and then mm -hmm. don't necessarily come out the other side when the storm is over. Right. Right. But, um, I would love to encourage and help people to identify whatever those self-limiting beliefs are, especially if it's in the world of real estate investing, short-term rental investing, uh, wealth creation, stock investing. I mean, anything to do with finance and decision-making and opportunities and so on. Right. Um, it's very natural and intuitive to me and I think right. it can be very helpful. Well, I'm actually really glad you brought that up. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, I feel We've like got, I'm about to be no, thrilled. No, not at all. But we do have a couple of people that called in with questions that okay. are seeking your help. And so um, if you want to listen to those, uh, or we can listen to those and see awesome. if we can't uh, help them out, that would be awesome, right? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, good afternoon. Hi, my name is Peyton Abernathy. I'm in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and I'm a real estate investor. I have uh, four listings, and I'm currently constructing a fifth listing. My question is uh, diversification. Um, I know uh, you suggest uh, diversification uh, with any business, and I love my market. I'm local to my market. We have a favoritism to short-term rentals in the market. Um, is there any issues with not diversification and, and just going with your gut feeling that this is uh, one of the best markets? I uh, appreciate it, and I uh, look forward to hearing uh, your answer. Thank you, Richard. Bye-bye. Great question, Peyton. Um, I think that the answer to your question is uh, there's a time and a place for what's called concentration, right? So concentration is the exact opposite of diversification. Diversification, you bring in non-correlated assets into a portfolio, and you change the pattern of the cash flow stream, and you also change the risk profile. And so that's what you're trying to achieve when you have a diversified portfolio. And the benefit of the diversified portfolio is that it allows you to weather many storms and live for a long, another day and have a very long runway. And so you're trying to minimize exogenous risk as much as possible so that you're taking the very specific risk that you want to get and you're seeking a certain type of reward or a certain type of return for that commensurate level of risk. So that's why you would diversify. Um, and that's what most portfolio managers do. I believe your question, Peyton, is, well, in what circumstances would you concentrate and not diversify? So let's assume that you do, in fact, have the best market in the world and you absolutely love it and you're 100% convinced and the world uh, is showing you that this is the best investment opportunity in the world. Why would you not diversify, uh, said differently, why would you be very concentrated. And the answer to that question really comes down to level of conviction. So if you have a, a lot of conviction, then you would want to have a more concentrated portfolio, but you would never want it to be 
all of your eggs in any one basket. No matter how high your conviction level is, you should always diversify somewhat, right? So if all of your real estate holdings are in your town, then make sure that uh, your business is in a different town or your um, second home is in a different, I mean, you just wanna start to spread the risk a little bit, but there's still a very good place for concentration in your portfolio to the extent that you have extremely high conviction, the alternatives are not superior, the alternatives offer the same risk profile. Um, and I would just say the following though, trying to be helpful in your regard, what I find with most entrepreneurs uh, in the short-term rental market is that while they have high conviction of their location and their properties, it's really a heuristic or a shortcut that not enough due diligence has been done to say that it is in fact the best investment opportunity. So my question would be in order to make the assessment that where you're currently investing and you've got four places and you're building your fifth, how many different zip codes, how many different states, how many different types of Airbnbs did you research to reach that conclusion? And if the answer is, well, none, I just did it because that's where I live and that was the opportunity and I did really well, so I got a second one and then a third one, then that's not doing any due diligence whatsoever to s compare the zip code across the street or across town or across the state lines. Um, so if you've reached that conclusion after doing significant due diligence and you have high conviction in that, then that's when you might take a more concentrated portfolio. But my gut tells me, having spoken to thousands of entrepreneurs that are really successful in Airbnb, uh, that very few of them have actually done that. It tends to be they're concentrated due to proximity and to convenience, and it's worked in the past, and you're betting that it's going to work in the future. And if that's where you are, then I would really encourage you to do some of that due diligence and learn how to think forward and come up with a strategic game plan to invest in a more diversified fashion. So I think that's a great question. I hope that's helpful. Uh, I have no judgment in anything that anybody's doing. I'm just trying to offer insight into the way that institutional professional money managers manage portfolios. And the reason they get paid so handsomely and do so well is because they do in fact live for another day and they could weather many different storms and they don't have binary bets that are all, um, you know, either zero or one, win, lose, white, black. We want as many, many shades of gray uh, throughout so that we can weather a little bit of rain or a lot of sun and so on. It's not binary in the outcome. Yes, this is Marlis King. And my question is, I want to know the story of how you guys met and how this progressed because I saw a video, she was helping me with it, and boom, next thing you know, she was there the whole time. Maybe you told the story. I'm just curious. Talk to you guys later. Bye. what a great question. He wants to know how we met. You know, he saw one video and you were there, and now it turns out you're in all the videos and all over the place. So, Erica, catch us up. How did we meet? At the Jackson Hole Airport. I was, uh, I was actually. Wait, I mean, let's just be straightforward. Yes. You picked me up. Oh my gosh, you love telling people that. I love telling the truth. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of the truth, and so yes, I tell people that. I mean, technically. Well, is there anything else other than technically? I mean, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so you picked me up. Yes, I didn't know I was going to be picking you up. 
No, it's the best kind of pickup. Like that's when you just can't control yourself and you just. It was, I don't know that it was exactly like that. Okay, well then tell us exactly how it was. I was scheduled to come to the Jackson Hole Airport that evening, uh, February 28th, to uh, pick up clients of mine that were flying in from a Tony Robbins event. Um, they were long-term clients of mine, and they're lovers of uh, Tony Robbins, and they were coming back from uh, Whistler, and uh, I believe it was the Economic Forum. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, I believe it was even a, a 9 o'clock, 9.30 flight. And um, picked them up, greeted them at the airport. And they said, hey, you know, it turns out this friend of ours who was also at the event was on the plane. And we think that, you know, he might be able to utilize your services as well. And um, they introduced us. And then for the first time ever, never have they ever um, offered to give anyone a ride home from the airport that they randomly met or saw or, you know, at the airport that they knew. But uh, that night they offered you a ride home and um, you with your bags and ski boots and <laughs> gear. Uh, yeah, loaded, loaded up. Tell the them back. what you thought. Tell them the irony of all this. <laughs> when you saw me, and then I'll tell you the reason I looked that way and so on, but when you saw me, what did you think? Well, you were Other a bit... Other than I was handsome and you needed... Other than that. Right. Other than that. Other than you taking my breath away. Um, well, you had kind of a disheveled look about you. Right. And so I just kind of thought, oh, okay, well... He looks homeless. <laughs> so the the short-term <laughs> rental expert, you know, air quotes here, short-term <laughs> rental expert with a diversified portfolio it wasn't my of homes best all call. over the place. It wasn't my best call. It wasn't that. my best read. Right. You were like, this guy's homeless. Right. And Again, meantime, not my best read. You visited many of my homes. Many of your homes. Right. See, I like to play low. I like right. to play yes. beneath my means and keep a low profile and very low profile look, look you homeless. keep people guessing yeah, you certainly homeless. do that yeah no, the, the reality of it is uh it was really good fortune uh disguised as bad fortune <laughs> and what happened for me was when i came back from the tony robbins economic forum mm -hmm. in whistler i had a flight that was connecting from san francisco into jackson hole we landed in San Francisco, and then I was unable to make my connection due to inclement weather. Now, it wasn't bad weather in Jackson uh, that delayed the flight. It was the fact that San Francisco was fogged in, mm -hmm. and so we were unable to take off to Jackson, so I was stranded in San Francisco. And I'll never forget, I made a, a post, and then I went live the next day on Facebook sort of saying how... You know, as frustrating as it is, and I was excited to get home, and I have my ski boots and all this stuff, and I don't have my bag and whatever. It was just unexpected and really not great news, but instead of being upset about it, 
I was going to be positive and upbeat and just realize what a wonderful gift it was to spend one night in San Francisco. And I haven't been in San Francisco in a long time. And I couldn't get a hotel room close by. They were all sold out because everybody was fogged in, right? right. So like all the local hotels. And so I said, I'm going to splurge and I'm going to go down to the Fairmont Hotel. And I haven't been there in years. And it's a beautiful hotel. And it I is. just posted about being optimistic and upbeat about all of that. And then the next day, uh, United Airlines called me and said that I could make the... I don't know, the early flight or no, I was on the late flight and then they moved me to the earlier flight and I just said, sure, whatever. Um, and then I went to the airport and unbeknownst to me, our mutual friends that introduced us were at the airport. Mm -hmm. So I was on the same flight as they were mm -hmm. and only because I was on the same flight as they were due to being delayed and being moved to the earlier flight and being in a positive mindset and being optimistic, um, did you and I meet mm -hmm. and I was in a good headspace and not complaining. I think if we had met and I was grouchy and saying, oh, can you believe this happened and blah, 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 like it wouldn't have gone anywhere. Right. Um, so just being open and optimistic and viewing the world as life happening for me mm -hmm. as opposed to to me, uh, it allowed us to meet. And so um, we met that one night. And interestingly, mm -hmm. I was headed to New York. I was repositioning to New York. I really wasn't excited to go back to New York. I've lived there for a significant portion of my adult life and it just doesn't afford my lifestyle what I want to do and be outdoors and so yeah if I, I recall leaving. you flew in on a Thursday night and you were scheduled to drive leave uh Sunday morning yeah I don't know if I was a Thursday or Friday but I think I was in what I think I was in Jackson for well I actually know it was a Thursday because uh we went to dinner on Friday night well, there you go. <laughs> See? Mm -hmm. And we were trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. I was so excited to meet somebody in, in Jackson Hole. And, you know, at the time, it was very uh, much platonic and business driven and trying to figure out, you know, I remember asking, I was like, so do you do great work on like SEO or content strategies or, and you were just like, uh, no, no, I don't do any of that. I don't even know what you're what you're speaking of. Right? Right. I was like, oh, well, you're a very different kind of freelancer than my entire team, you know, Hardik right. and Charles, and <laughs> I've got all these other people. We all have specialties, and we do, we do things with acronyms. Right. And you were just like, no. No. So um, we went to dinner. We spoke about business. I retained your services. Yes. And we went on an executive assistant sort of role to help me manage my time and be more organized and at the time I was in a <clears throat> in a professional relationship uh, a business relationship where communication was proving challenging around meeting deadlines and so we thought there was a real good opportunity for you to take over and manage that relationship on my behalf and step in and be the intermediary mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of things that we were thinking about and we were both open to mm -hmm. um, but then I left, right? I packed the dogs up and yep. drove across the country. Mm -hmm. um, and I really just wasn't excited to reposition and be in New York for any extended period of time or, or at all. I just kind of felt like that was, it, you know, like in my soul. Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like that's where I belonged. And I didn't want to go there. And when I was in New York uh, a few months before that for an extended period of time, it really it weighed on me. I was gray and I was depressed and I'm, I'm, I'm never like that. I'm always mm -hmm. filled with joy and upbeat and eternally optimistic. And for the first time I felt 
confused and withdrawn and living a shell of my life and mm -hmm. looking at myself from above, looking down and saying like, this isn't, this isn't you and this isn't right. And this was something that happened in the past, but it's time to move forward. So I got in the car and I drove and um, we spoke on the phone, didn't we? We did. That's it. We did. <laughs> I know you're supposed to push me to go deeper, but uh, we did. We spoke a total of 27 hours over the phone. That's like the entire drive. It was a lot of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was transformational for both of us, right? Extremely, extremely. Um, I mean, that's a lengthy conversation. Yes. Yes. Um, actually, it was the what one of a number of significant happenings. Um, during that conversation was, let's see, um, the transition and redefinition of my why after not, not 39 years, but since the age of 17, um, and then at 39, <laughs> in a single conversation, changing my why, um, that was incredibly significant. Um, yeah, it was a very, uh, I've never, well, I, I think it is definitely safe to say I have never in my entire life had a conversation like that, ever. Game changer mm -hmm. for, for both of us and, um, you know, the next morning when I arrived to New York, I was taking one of my daughters on spring break mm -hmm. and then I was taking her for a week and then another one for another week and a third one for a third week. And so mm -hmm. I was pretty much gone um, <laughs> for about a month or so. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a really challenging decision and really awkward, but I ended uh, the relationship that I'd been in. Um, and I'm not... I don't, I'm not uh, upset at the way that I did it. You know, I forgive myself, but it, it's awkward and it's clumsy and there's no right way. And I think there was communication throughout that process. So, um, you know, I feel good about it all, but I, I think endings are hard, you know, they endings, are. endings are really challenging and, and they um, can be really sad. Have, yeah. And um, I would say that, you know, we barely, I, while we spoke on the phone a lot, we barely knew anything about each other or um, spent any time together or mm -hmm. been ever in the same place for an extended period or romantic, right? It was completely platonic. Right. And so it's just a miracle that um, we found one another, that we communicated at a deeper level, that I found the strength and courage to end something that I knew wasn't fulfilling uh, to the same level that I really wanted to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, so I took a big chance and I think you took a big chance and there was no guarantees and there was no 
anything, but it was just, you know, from my perspective, it felt like a, a door was closing and another door was opening and that life is short and you have to try um, as, as responsible as I am and communicative and transparent and authentic and loving and all these things that are really important. I have to do all of those things for me first. Um, and I'm not, if I'm not that to myself, then I'm not showing up for my daughters and I'm not being a good role model and a good example of what life can be and what it should be like. And so um, I did the much more soul searching in that car and on that drive and made some really difficult decisions that, um, you know, I maintain are great decisions, but I think were hard and painful and inflicted pain on the others that wasn't my intention, but um, I think everybody will be better off for it. And so that's how we met. You picked me up at the airport and then I left for, you know, a month or more. Yep. And then you came to New, New York, York for some period of time. Mm -hmm. We worked together, then it was still like professional and that's where we actually started, you know. Our first, yeah, our first date was in New York. <laughs> there you go. And that was in what, late March or something? So almost mm -hmm. a month after we met. Mm -hmm. But obviously while I was traveling with my kids, we were in communication and interestingly, mm -hmm. it was about the same time that I was doubling down on my efforts on short-term rental university, Tony mm -hmm. Robbins and the help that he had given me. Mm -hmm. I was trying to pay it forward and help as many people as much as possible and taking the contribution component super seriously, contributing to others' growth and others' development. And so STRU was growing and you were retained for your executive assistant type work. And so while I was on vacation uh, with my kids, every day or every night or for extended periods, um, we would be speaking about STRU and business and things that needed to get done. And then we'd weave in a little bit of personal. And so we were, you know, it was just a very fun time filled with growth and wonder and joy and excitement. And, you know, still like still no is. guarantees, right? Like we had never been together so that we didn't really know. We were investing all this time professionally and now personally. Mm -hmm. um, but the best was yet to come, right? That's right. And then after that, we just traveled together and have been non-stop right. since right so the girl who had no passport and had never left the country right where have you been now let's see well i've been to the outer banks well why don't we I've start been to thailand okay okay if you've got some rhyme or reason or order, oh, gosh. then you rock it. But otherwise, okay. I think we're going to lose track. So <laughs> yeah. maybe you want to go. Right. Thailand, Australia, um, the Outer Banks, New York. Um, where else? Uh, well, Bali. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Um, Many places many places in short order yes which has been fantastic right, right. i was traveling an incredible amount before uh, mm -hmm. after my separation and divorce and i was traveling mostly alone and while travel is really rewarding and fulfilling and educational and one of the greatest pleasures i have in my life uh, at date with destiny with tony robbins what i identified as one of my core drivers was adventure a sense right. of adventure so travel um but obviously doing it with somebody, with a significant other, with your love and so on, is just so much 
deeper and more rewarding and more exciting and so more much more fulfilling right so thank you thank you yeah i've developed an allergy to not being with you you've developed an allergy to not being with me mm-hmm. well there's no treatment for that other than <laughs> being with me right right i just so i just stay with you and i just travel with you and and now you podcast with me and now and i podcast with you and i youtube with you and i facebook with you and it's like the full press right no but i'm very grateful <laughs> thank you so much thank you um so that's how we met and i that's think there'll be met. more stories and more absolutely whatever, that's absolutely. the reality and that's how we did it right all right, so let's take one last question. Let's see here. Well, hello, Richard. Hello, Erica. This is Sammy calling. My question is this. I am waiting to go live with my first STR. I keep changing out pieces of furniture, making it better, more perfect. I'm afraid to have the professional pictures taken because the first time I make a change, then it's not going to look just like the pictures. So what do you do when you have a professional come in, take the pictures, and then a month later, you make some kind of a change in the look of your property? What's the solution? Because I can't keep having a photographer come in and retake the pictures. Thank you. I love you guys. Bye-bye. Amazing. Well, we love you too, Sammy. Thank you so much. We do. We do. And she's all over the Facebook group and great community she's member. Such, so she's thank so you, great. Sammy. Absolutely. So I filmed a video not too long ago. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Maybe it was about a year ago with Charles. And it was basically titled that revenue is greater than or beats ready. As a host, as an entrepreneur, as a person, like we're never ready. We're always growing. We're always changing. Life is dynamic. And so... Um, I encourage you and other hosts that are listening to this and other entrepreneurs to just go live and just get that professional photographer to come in there when it's ready. And let me just be a little more clear about that. If you know that you're going through major renovations and walls are coming down and you're putting in a new kitchen and like there's a major renovation happening in the near future, hold off and don't get the professional photographer in there just yet because all of that is being demolished and changed and it's major. Uh, so wait until all of that is done. That said, if you've finished your renovation or you're ready to go live and everything is the way you think it will be and what you're worried about is that you might move the couch from one side to the other side in a month later or um, you know, add a, a plant or you're going to do some redecorating, minor redecorating, then it's okay. Uh, get the professional photographer in there. It's going to be extremely representative of the way that your home looks and feels and the taste and the decor and the placement of stuff. And that's really the, all you need. Nobody's going to show up to your uh, listing. It's never happened to me with somebody who's looking at your photo and say, this has changed and this has changed. You can't misrepresent. So if there are big changes that are coming, either hold off or then pay for a second one if it's far off in the future you don't want to wait but otherwise i wouldn't worry sammy so much about making some of these changes things change all the time you'll be changing pillows and lamps and shades and you know all of that stuff and no one's really going to hold you accountable or care or anything else just don't misrepresent but i really encourage you to go live at an early stage in your entrepreneurship you said you're the first str is going live 
the single best thing you can do is start to bring money in, see that this works, recognize that you can host, see the warmth and hospitality of people coming from all over the world into your home, um, see your bank account inflate, and all of these positive things that will get your juices flowing and get your excitement higher and greater and help you persevere and endure and all the dedication and devotion. You need to start getting that money in the door. And one word I heard you say, which is really important for me to repeat, is that you fear that you're scared that you're going to make this change in the future. It's not even like you know you're going to. You just fear that, what if I make a change in the future? So let's eliminate that fear. Let's not worry about that. That's not relevant right now. It's not even reality. Let's not give it any headspace. And let's just eliminate it. Get the professional photographer in there. Let's know what, let's do what we know is really important, which is start to monetize, bring some revenue in the door, and get started. So that's what I would do. And my only contribution as far as that's concerned is if you are any, anywhere close to the type of host that you are, um, personality that you've community been, member, community manager, member, personality that you've been on the Facebook, you are, uh, you're going to be absolutely wonderful. You just exude warmth and love and welcome and um hospitality absolutely everything lovely and um i have no doubt absolutely no doubt that you are just going to excel and um and congratulations congratulations yeah, super exciting absolutely go for Blow it. it up yeah exactly Raise the roof there you go whoop, whoop. i love it thanks for calling in sammy so good to hear your voice all right so what's next so I just, I mean, thank you to everybody for calling Amazing, in. Right? Absolutely. Super, super cool. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your answers and your knowledge and your education and, um, you know, sharing it with, with me and with everybody else that's listening. And, um, and to mix master Charles, who's, you know, wiki, behind wiki, the, wiki, yeah, wiki. behind the, I don't know what the task cam <laughs> is or whatever he's behind. He's doing it. I mean, he's, he's doing hanging it. here with us. I'm not right. sure what he's doing. It looks like he's just like, you know, looking at yeah. stuff. Probably something majorly right, significant. But we couldn't do it. Right. I think there's like rockets landing in Mars. Charles is right. redirecting. He's completely and totally changed my voice. He has, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, any, any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to share before we call it a night? Uh, no, I would just say that I'm really grateful that we've relaunched the podcast. I'm really excited. I think that uh, telling these longer format stories and going deeper will grow you and will grow me Absolutely. and will grow us and will grow our audience and mm -hmm. they may listen to a question that they never thought they had themselves or they may hear a response that we give that's more in depth and it triggers a memory or a concern or they shine a light on a fear that they didn't have and realize that we have those same fears and that we're all human and that we can overcome and so, so I true. think one of the challenges or frustrations that I've had with um with the success that I've had on YouTube, and I'm really grateful for that, is that it has to be punchy and quick and to the point. And um, some of these deeper concepts, as much as you try to distill them down, if they're big enough concepts, you do it a disservice. And then people just think that you're really in the clouds and you're really intuitive and they don't quite understand some of these teachings 
require examples and require repetition and require length and require people to listen and maybe even hit rewind a couple of times and listen to it again. And so I'm really grateful for the podcast medium because I think it's going to lend really well to some of the lessons that we can teach and especially as it relates to uh, you and I and relationship building and you know this is real time so right now we're having a great night and a great week and a great portion of our relationship and right. we may film a podcast record a podcast in a week or a month or a year or 10 years from now where we're not in a great place in the relationship but I endeavor to be fully present and engaged and honest and transparent and this is where work gets done and this is where lives change and so if we can help ourselves and help others by way of example, then sign me up. All my heart. Right? All right. Well done. Number two in the can. Boom! Thank you, thank you. So that does it for another episode of the STRU Podcast. As always, all links mentioned are in the show notes below. If you're serious about short-term rental investing, be sure to check out str.university. Till next time.